You're listening to Health Professional Radio. Thank you for joining us for another segment. I'm your host, Neil Howard, and I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Sarah Thomas. She's a registered dietitian and research scientist at Abbott, and she's joining us to talk about a new study from Abbott and The Ohio State University that was published in Nutrients. It shows that adults with diabetes with low protein leads to physical limitations, lower overall diet quality, poor nutrition, and a lot of other concerns. Welcome to Health Professional Radio. Dr. Thomas, thanks for joining. Thank you, Neil. Give us a bit of your professional background as a registered dietitian and uh, talk briefly about uh, your position there at Abbott, if you would. Absolutely. Yes, I'm a registered dietitian and also a nutrition research scientist, and I support our global and U.S. nutrition science team at Abbott. Previously, I've worked in various roles in the field of nutrition, including academic, government, and also industry settings. Um, My previous nutrition research experience includes carotenoids, obesity, uh, also dietary supplements, and I earned my master's degree and PhD in nutrition science and also completed my internship for dietetics at Ohio State University and then conducted my postdoctoral training at the USDA Nutrition um, Research Center. So currently, I provide clinical and also scientific expertise for Abbott's adult nutrition products, and I specialize in diabetes, renal, and also oncology nutrition. Why did Abbott and Ohio State University conduct this study? Well, we partnered with um, expert diabetes researchers at The Ohio State University. We really wanted to better understand the impact of nutrition on diabetes outcomes. The reason for this is we know that um, sarcopenia, and this is a condition of low muscle mass function and quality, can be linked to physiological aging, but also it is linked to um, people that have diabetes. Mm -hmm. So um, people that have diabetes often have an increased risk for falls and fractures, Um, And hyperglycemia as well as insulin resistance can be central to this development of sarcopenia. Um, And we also know that there's there's been some research studies that have shown um, that uh, there's a deficiency in protein intake among older adults. Um, And they've called for increasing the recommended daily allowance for protein in this population because we know protein supports muscle, um, which can help delay or help manage sarcopenia. However, there's there's really lacking information about the role of diet and protein intakes in sarcopenia for people with diabetes. So this study really wanted to identify if there's differences in protein intakes as well as diet quality and if there are any associated functional limitations in people with diabetes across different um, different levels of glycemic control. Was the protein intake of a particular source? So this study, it was a retrospective analysis. So what it did was we used um, what's called the NHANES. So it's a, it's a national um, survey where they're able to look at intakes across um, different or populations in the U.S., and they're able to look at different types of foods. So mainly we looked at just protein intakes, not necessarily from specific types of foods, but in general, just protein intake. So what did the finding show? So overall, we found that um, at least 50% of U.S. adults with diabetes and 45% of those with prediabetes are not meeting their individual protein intakes or recommended protein intakes on the day of intake. And this was associated with lower diet quality, also higher carbohydrate intake and greater physical limitations. Um, And specifically, uh, more than half, so about 52% of those with diabetes who didn't get enough protein Um, They demonstrated physical limitations, and that made it difficult to complete basic movements like stooping, crouching, kneeling, standing for long periods of time, pushing or pulling, so just things that people do every day. Um, And also those that didn't consume enough protein that had overall poor diet quality. Mm -hmm. 
So, for example, those that did not meet their recommended daily protein intake, they consumed about 12.5% more carbohydrates, and, and this could you know, potentially impact um, glucose levels. On the other hand, people that did meet protein recommendations on the day of intake, they had better overall diet quality than those um, with diabetes who did not. Now, obviously, older individuals living with diabetes have a higher risk of protein deficiency, not just based on mm -hmm. their age, but I guess maybe availability. You mean in terms of um, the ability to, to get enough protein yes. or just um, you yes. know, their shopping habit? Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and really, people that get older, um, their, their taste changes. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, um, protein just isn't as appealing. So they tend to gravitate towards um, you know, carbohydrates are, are sweeter options because they taste good because your taste changes as you get older. So sometimes that can also impact, you know, the ability to get enough protein um, in the diet, especially as, as we age. Uh, as far as prediabetes is concerned, is an adequate protein intake, does it stave off full-blown diabetes in any type of way? Not necessarily. Okay. I would look at it as an overall um, approach to diet. So um, a lot of times people are told to limit carbohydrates and limit sugars. And people with prediabetes, you know, they haven't been diagnosed yet. So that's really the main um, oh. time when you can really make life or, you know, lifestyle changes to impact diet. So really focusing on getting enough protein, um, limiting carbohydrates, but still making sure you're getting fiber by really focusing on those fiber-rich carbohydrates and fruits and vegetables. Um, so not just limiting carbohydrates and sugars, but also making sure you're getting a well-rounded diet with enough nutrients, fiber, and also getting enough protein. So what can patients and their healthcare providers do to help ensure that patients take in sufficient amounts of protein? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people are a little bit confused. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, you know, a lot of times it can be confusing to look at labels, but, you know, they can, they can track their individual protein number. That's something that they can start with. So ACPs can kind of work with patients and let them know a good target number of protein intake. Um, that they can track progress throughout the day. So really, you know, I think the key is, you know, 20 to 25 grams of protein per meal spread out throughout the day, or just really making sure you're, you're, you're choosing a protein-rich option um, for each meal or snack. And if they don't know how much protein they should be having each day, the Institute of Medicine also has a helpful calculator on their website. And, of course, you know, life gets in the way. Sometimes it's really difficult to, um, you know, find a healthy, quick option. So Abbott do, it did launch our Glucerna 30G product. It's a, it's a meal or small meal or snack replacement. And that's something you can just grab on the go, has 30 grams of protein, really simple way to help meet your protein recommendation. And that is helpful across the board for diabetics, for people who have uh, specific problems or the lack thereof, right? It's just anyone who needs protein can uh, deal with this product, yeah? Typically, so the product is designed for people with diabetes. It has a slow-release carbohydrate blend, which is beneficial for people that have diabetes since they're trying to watch their um, blood glucose response. Um, so it's designed to kind of blunt that blood glucose response with a slow-release carbohydrate, um, but also having the 30 grams of protein. So it's really specifically designed for people with diabetes. Is there anything that you'd like to add as far as the, the studies or maybe some unexpected findings? 
Yeah, you know, it was it was really interesting um, because you know we we did see that people who did meet the protein recommendations they they had better overall diet quality um, than those with diabetes who did not. Um, so we did see, interestingly, you know, they had higher diet quality scores for total vegetables, whole grains, dairy, added sugars, which really kind of um, informs us that perhaps the messaging is getting across to people with type 2 diabetes about limiting um, carbohydrates and limiting sugars. However, they had the poorest score for sodium um, and across glycemic levels, um, sodium and saturated fat scores were poor, which seems to indicate that, you know, even though um, a certain group of people might be meeting protein recommendations or even those that aren't, perhaps they're not choosing the best quality protein. Mm -hmm. So maybe their choices aren't the lean protein and maybe they're higher in saturated fats and sodium. So I think in addition to educating people with diabetes on appropriate lean protein, um, but also, you know, messaging more on, on those that are lower in saturated fat and um, focusing on, on those that also are lower in sodium. Doctor, give our listeners a website where we can learn more about Abbott uh, and this study. Sure. So um, the website for Abbott, um, you can go to www.glucerna.com is where you can find information about our Glucerna products. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have our www.abbott.com. And for more information about this study, you can visit mdpi.com. Well, I appreciate you joining us here on Health Professional Radio. Lots of great information. And hopefully we'll uh, speak again in the future. Thank you for joining today. Thank you. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Sarah Thomas. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.